Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. Good morning. Uh, Hello. My sweet family. Oh man, it's so fun, so exciting to be up here. You know, I've had some friends and some some church family asking me, so how you doing? How you doing this morning? I'm good. You know, I'm good. I'm good. I, you know, being able to be up here last week with my husband, what a blessing, kind of got me a little bit ready for right now and being up here um, by myself while my hands are shaking and I'm trying to, oh, Okay, every time, like every time, it just gets a little bit easier until today. It's not easier. But man, I love that I get to be here with you. Happy Mother's Day to all the beautiful mothers. Uh, Before we move on, I do have to, real quick, just give a shout out to my mom. Um, Last week, I got in trouble. So she watched the live stream, and she said, Amber, she said, you and Chad did not start dating when you were 14. You were not allowed to date until you were 16. So you better tell everybody that I am not a bad mom letting you date at 14. I was like, yes, ma'am. So I just had to let you guys know, I didn't, we weren't allowed to date and go out by ourselves and be by ourselves at 14. We were always with somebody. We were always with a group. We were always with a crowd. We were always with, you know, church family. So I just wanted to tell that so I could get out of trouble with being, with being in trouble with my mom. Mom, I love you. Happy Mother's Day. You're amazing. And I'm excited right now to jump into this last message in this series um, on the struggle bus. We've talked about emotional struggles, faith struggles, marriage struggles. Today we're going to talk about family struggles. Oh boy, fun, right? Last struggle bus, I get to do family struggles, but I'm, I'm really excited. I'm excited that we get to be right here in this place together on Mother's Day talking about struggles because we do. We all go through them, right? John 16, says, I've told you this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Thank you, Jesus, that you have overcome the world. Because he overcome the world, he will overcome our trials and our struggles and the things that we have to walk through um, because we're a part of this earth. All relationships and families go through struggles, right? We all do. Whether they're easy, uh, whether they're a little smaller or bigger, at some point we've walked through them. We've been through them. Um, We're always going through something or recovering from something, right? Right? But man, Jesus is with us. He's on our side. He's already overcome it. So let's pray. Right now, Jesus, I just pray, Lord, that the words that come out of my mouth are only your words, not anybody else's, that my heart will be in tune with you. God, as I studied and as I prepared and as I got ready for for what was going to be said today, Lord, I only wanted it to be you. I want it to be directly from you. God, as you spoke to my heart, Lord, I pray that you speak through me today and that anyone in this room that is going through a struggle and is in this place right now that just needs to hear these words, Lord, that you will speak to their heart. In your awesome name we pray. Amen. So, experiencing occasional problems and conflict, it's normal. We do it. Everybody's gone, everybody's gone through, through family struggles. But man, what about those struggles that begin to happen that, man, they are so big and so overwhelming and so intense that they just knock us off our feet, right? Over and over again. Man, we get up and we think, you know what? I'm going to overcome this. This is going to be fine. Our family's going to be good. But we get knocked off our feet again. 
There's some of those, some of those things that families are walking through even that some of us can't even, we don't even, we can't even imagine the hurt and the trial that they're going through. Because it's so big, it's so immense. Yes, we've gone through our own struggles, but this is so big that they have no control. We have no control. We can't fix it. Let's even talk about a few things that happened in the Bible, okay? Real quick. We're going to just start with Genesis. We're going to start with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were in the garden. There's this big, beautiful tree with this big, beautiful fruit. And Jesus and God says, you can have anything in the garden that you want, but not this. Well, what does Eve do? She wanders over to this big, beautiful tree. And she says, man, it's so pretty. And the serpent entices and says, oh, but you'll love this fruit. Go ahead and take a bite. She takes a bite. And then what does she do? She hands it off to her husband who takes a bite, who thinks it's wonderful. God comes and says, what did you do? And they said, he did it. She did it. He did it right? Blame starts. We could go all back into the marriage struggle sermon right after that, right? Well, then Adam and Cain, Adam and Cain, Adam and Eve's son, Cain and, Cain and Abel, Cain was jealous of his brother's, of his brother's um, sacrifices to the Lord because it was beautiful. Abel brought his best. He brought the very best of what he had and he gave it to the Lord. He sacrificed it to the Lord. Abel, uh, Cain just did, you know, a little bit. So Cain becomes jealous of Abel and he says, Oh, I'm going to get rid of that brother. And he kills him, right? That's a family struggle, I would say. Um, Abram leaves his father. Okay, Abram's with his father, this big clan. They get stuck in this, in this land. And God says, Abram, pack up your family and go to a land that I will guide you to. Well, that's tough. Like, were you leaving a family? Back in, back in those days, you were together. You stayed together. You moved together. You traveled together. You stayed in the same place together. But God said, nope, pick it up and go. And Abram leaves. That's got to be a struggle right there. Lot goes with Abram, which is one of his nephew, which is Abram's uh, nephew. And his nephew says, well, I have to leave now because our clan, our, we're too big. And all my herdsmen are fighting with your herdsmen because we don't have enough food and water. So we have to, we have to um, split. So that, that's hurtful because he loved Lot so much. What about in... Um, a little bit further on, Lot gets captured, and Abram has to go to battle for him. Well, that's a struggle. You know, nobody likes to go to battle unless you're the karate kid Wait, who's sitting on the front row. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Bringing out the Easter can- crane. Okay. Um, then, then, okay, God promises Abram and Sarai. He says, I'm going to bless you with a son. Well, the sun's not coming fast enough, so they decide, Sarai decides, why don't you sleep with my servant, Hagar, and we'll have a son through her, and that will be our, that's where our descendants will come from. Servant, he sleeps with her, they have a son, she becomes jealous, well, duh, (laughs) comes jealous of Abram and Ishmael and um, Hagar, and she says, go away, send your son and send your, send my servant away. Man, family struggles, family hurt. That's just through chapter 16 in Genesis, guys. Can you imagine the family struggle throughout the Bible? Lots of struggle. So we all go through it. We all face it. Some of it's heavier and bigger than others, but we face it. We walk through it. I, I, I know that riding the struggle bus isn't fun. Sometimes we got on the struggle bus for a reason. Sometimes the struggle bus is bigger than, you know, there's families on it. We're like, oh, you're here too? Oh, you're here? What? We're all on this together? Well, yeah. Sometimes we like to hide it. We put on masks and we're like, you know what? We're fine. Everything's good. But every family at some point walks and rides this bus. You may be saying, how did we get here? Why is this season of our life so overwhelming? Why can I not breathe? I feel like I can get up for a breath just for a minute and then we're back under. 
Why is this water? Why is this stress? Why is this struggle? Why is it overtaking us? Why right now? How did I get to this point? This point in our struggle. Here's, here's three things, three ways that we may have gotten on the struggle bus. Number one is order. I learned a long time ago that there's an order. And we knocked God at some point, we moved him underneath our family or underneath, underneath work. The order is God, husband, kids, ministry, or work. God is always at the top. God is always number one. But when we remove him from his place, when we take him out of that order, it's really easy to get on the struggle bus. It's really easy to get in a place where we're like, oh, I got it. I handle it. No big deal. I'll pray about it later. If, it's, if it gets too big, then I might, you know, put God back up there. But right now, now I got it. God is always number one. If order gets out, if, or, if, if something happens with order, things mess up. Exodus uh, 2 and 30, our first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Sometimes we put our family before God. Sometimes we put our work before God. Sometimes we put our hobbies before God. What is your order? Why are you on the struggle bus? Is it because you removed God? Did you move him? Jesus said in Matthew 20, uh, 22, 37, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Do you love something more? Does something more consume your mind than God? Does something more, yes, we got a lot of stuff going on. I get it. Life is crazy. Schedules are busy. We've got one thing after another, after another, after another. So it does get hard sometimes to say and focus in on God. But where is he? Where is he in your order? Did you move him? Did you replace him? Where are our thoughts? When we do have busy seasons, our thoughts usually go back to, yeah, but I got to do this and I got to take care of this and I've got to do this for my kids or I've got to do that for my husband or I've got to do that for my family or I've got to do. And so we've, we've replaced him with thoughts about and things about our own life, our own things that we're trying to figure out. But there's order for a reason. There's order for a reason because when things get out of order, that family struggle is way heavier and way harder to carry when God is not at the top of it. When things get out of order, we forget to ask him for help sometimes. Sometimes we're like, you know what? I got it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, 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 and this. And then I'm going to pray to God and ask him for favor in all of that. Right? I'm going to ask him if he'll make sure all of this stuff falls into place. And then, and then the struggle's fine and I'm good and everything in the order, you know, me up here is fine. But we can't do that. First, we ask God, because we have to know, am I going through this struggle for a reason? I'm going to ask God first. God, why am I here? What do you want to teach me? And then I can move on. And then I might be able to get off the struggle bus if I put him back in order. Moving God from our homes is so dangerous. Without God in our homes, without God at the, at the very head, there's no center. There's no focus. There's no direction. There's no compass. We've removed him. We've moved him down to a place where we think, I'm okay. We're good. I'm going to fix it. I take my family to church every week. I read, we read our Bible. We do all of these things, but there's not order because we say, I'm going to do all this. I'm going to fix this, and then I'll ask God for favor. Then I'll ask God to, to make it work. So sometimes when we do that, we, we get messed up with order. When we do that, we also get messed up with focus. Focus or attention. So... We focus in on things that make us feel good. We tend to focus in on things that make us 
feel good or even look good. Oh, if I do this, if I focus in on this area, I'm going to look really good. If I really plant in this area of my life, if I really water in this area of my life, this is my work. I'm going to pour everything into that. I'm going to focus all in right here. Sometimes that gets us on the struggle bus because we've taken our focus off, number one, our God, but also, number two, our family, right? Focus our attention. We're tending to things that make us feel good, tending to things that make us look good. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountiful will also reap bountifully. Where are you sowing? Where are you sowing in your family? Where are you sowing in your work? Are you sowing more at work than you are in your family? Focus. We lose focus. When we lose focus, when we, when we get out of that order, then we begin, we could get on the struggle bus real easy. We could take our family. And you know what? It just takes one person in the family. It doesn't take just, it doesn't take the whole family losing focus. It takes one person losing focus. It takes one mom, one dad. It takes, you know, one head of the family losing focus. And it's easy to get on that struggle bus. Non-focus on our family could be the reason why you know, our kids are sending texts that they shouldn't be sending. Non-focus on our family could be the reason why, you know, my husband comes home and turns the TV on and puts his feet up for the rest of the night. Non-focus on the family could be the reason why my wife doesn't cook anymore. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I cooked twice this week. Maybe, maybe once, but, and it was leftovers, but you know, it's fine. We, I cooked once and then it was leftovers. There you go. That, that counts for two. What's keeping you from your family? What hobby is keeping you from your family? What thing that is enjoyable to you that you love? Hobbies aren't bad. They're good. We love hobbies around our house, but don't let that take your focus away from your family. Don't let that take your focus away from the Lord. Because that's when we can get on the struggle bus. That's when we disconnect. That's when we stop watering in the place that we're supposed to water. We water our families. We pour into our families. We sow into our families so then we can reap there. And we do it over and over and over again. Not just when things start to look greener. Oh, it's looking really good right here. I'm just, you know, I'm going to step back and I'm going to focus in over here. No, we've got to stay right there. We've got to stay centered. We've got to stay focused. We've got to stay knowing that, you know, that's when the enemy wants to come. When we feel like everything is good and everything is right, I'm just going to step away for a second. No, that's when the enemy comes. So that's when we, we focus in even more. Two things that may make your focus wean. Money. Maybe you started working a little longer, extra hours, extra time, extra pay, extra whatever. You started doing that for your family. You were in a season where you had to. It took longer. You were working harder. You were away longer. You were, but you stayed there a little longer. You stayed a little longer than you were supposed to. Or you worked a little longer than you were supposed to. Money can be a distraction. We can focus in so much on money that we forget what our family needs. We forget where they're at and what, they're, what my wife needs at that moment. What my husband needs at that moment. It's good to work. Don't get me wrong. Let's work. Let's take care of our families. But don't let that be your focus. Don't let that be what pulls you away. Number two, uh, the next one is just pride. You're making money. You're working hard. You're taking care of business. So you begin to think that your time is more valuable than your family's time. 
Your time is more valuable than your wife's time. Your time's more valuable than your husband's or your kids. I work hard. I deserve this. I work harder than anybody else in my family. I work harder than my parents. I work harder than I deserve this. When you start thinking that, you can lose focus. You can lose focus about your family. Where your family is. Galatians 6, 4 through 7 says, Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourselves to anyone else, for we, we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from the sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not just get tired. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Water in your circle. Focus in in your family. Focus in on your kids. Focus in on your marriage. Focus in and water and plant and sow and keep doing it and don't give up. No matter what you feel, no matter how hard you've worked, no matter what you think you've given and given and given, keep doing it. Do not give up. You will will sow beautiful, beautiful blessing. Water Water within your circle. Ask God even to say, God, show me. I want to see my family with eyes that you have for them. God, I want to see eyes for my wife the way that you have for them, have her, have of her. Eyes that you have for my kids, I want to see those eyes. I want to see them through your eyes because I want to love them and I want to see the beauty that you've blessed me with. God has blessed you with beauty all around you. If it's friendships, if it's family, focus in on those. Water in those circles. God's got beautiful blessing on the other side of it. Another reason that we might get on the struggle bus is procrastination. Now, procrastination is a tough one for me because I'm a procrastinator when it comes to work. Um, I like to, you know, I like to say I'm going to get it done and I'm going to, I'm going to blow it out of the water because I'm going to, I'm good. I'm good under stress, right? I'm not really good under stress. So I've tried a little bit more to prepare earlier. I'm getting better and better, right, babe? right? That wasn't a very big yes. Um, thank you. We procrastinate. An area that we procrastinate with our family is we know that we did something wrong to our wives, to our kids. We said something that we shouldn't have said. We got too angry with our kids. We blew up a little bit too much. And so we procrastinate and we say, oh, I know that I should say I'm sorry. I know I should go talk to them about that. I know I should fix that. But you know what? I'm going to wait. I'm just going to wait a second. I'm going to, I'm going to fix it first and then I'll go talk to them. Or I'm going to fix me first and then I'm going to go talk to them. So we procrastinate and we wait and we say, you know what? I'll do it later. And we say, I'll do it later, and I'll do it later. Even though we know that God has spoken to our hearts, even though that we know that we read a scripture, that that God was speaking to us, and he said, go do it. Do it now. Say it now. Speak about it right now. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 2 says, for everything, there's a season, a time for every activity under the sun, time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest. When we're on the struggle bus, when it's hard, when it's a season that is stressful, we wait. And we wait, and we wait, and we wait. And we say, I'll fix it later. I'll fix me later. And then I'll fix this later. 
Maybe we should, maybe we should do it right now. We're on the bus because we waited. We're struggling. Our family is hurting. Our husband is, is hurt and cut really deep because of words that we spoke to him. Do it right now. Don't wait. Go and speak life. Go and speak words. Go and speak, speak into that. Don't fix you before you fix the problem. That could take a long time. We're always, we're a work in progress all the time, right? Sometimes we're ignorant of God's timing too, right? But we need to remember that the proper, the, the right activity at the right time will bring about God's purposes, right? The right activity at the right time. The right time is now. The right time to fix it, the right time to speak it, the right time is right now. Laying it before Jesus, laying before his feet. I did something so wrong and I screwed up and here's what it is. And I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I want to fix it. Don't procrastinate any longer. Do it now. Have the conversation now. God is sovereign. He is sovereign. His timing is perfect. So when he says go, go. When he says do, do. Speak it. Now, how do I? One thing to take away from this. Be intentional. Just be intentional. We're going to be intentional first with our time. We're going to have fun together. We're going to laugh together. We're going to laugh with each other. We're going to laugh at each other. Right? All in, you know. We're going to have fun together. We're going to create moments where we are intentional. We're not just going to say, oh, it'll just happen. Just, or it'll just happen. No. Be proactive. Be intentional about the time that you spend with your kids. One of my very favorite things um, when it comes to laughing is I think, of, I think of our daughters who, you know, are teenagers right now, and they, um, they do. They like to still come into our room. They like to come into our master bedroom, and we all just sit on the bed sometimes, and we just all talk. My favorite thing is whenever, you know, I call them in there, and I act like I'm mad, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, girls, get in here right now. You know, we need to talk to you. And so they come into our room. Now they've kind of like caught on to that. And they're like, what? You know, they got a little grin in their face because they know it's just, it's not really. I don't, I don't ever call them into our room to talk to them like that. It's usually a, we'll sit down on the couch and talk. But um, so they come in and, and we just laugh. And sometimes, you know, to get the, just the fun going and the laughing going, Chad will tell one of his silly dad jokes, which, you know, get us laughing because we're laughing at him. Just kidding. Sometimes they're really good. They're really punny. <laughs> oh, gosh. I just added. Oh, no. I just jumped right in there with that. Okay, but we like to just sit on the bed. We like to laugh. We like to goof off. Sometimes the girls will do a silly dance. Sometimes I got videos. Oh, I got videos. Even just here recently. Um, the girls will do a silly dance. Most of the time we're laughing at Easton because he's always doing something funny for us. Oh, man. Threes are so fun. So fun. Man. He is just, he's, he's a blast. And we have fun together and we laugh together. In Psalms 126, 2 through 3, it says, We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, What amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Be intentional about that fun time. Be intentional about creating those times where you have fun, where you laugh together. Create time to laugh, have fun together. Um, a quote that I saw, uh, Greg C. Gunn, I loved this, and I just thought, this is perfect. What a great way to build a relationship. Teenagers don't rebel against authority. They rebel against a lack of relationship. 
So create those moments where you can laugh, be goofy, be silly with each other. Um, me and my girls, man, we like to wrestle. You know, I know, that's funny. Me and my sisters, we did it all the time when we were young. We wrestled. and my, I'll tell you what, though, my girls are strong, and they're like... Together, they could definitely take me down, but they never try. So I'm not going to say this in the next service when they're in here. But um, they could take me both. They could take me down. One of them could. It just, it doesn't matter. Um, They're strong. So we're going to have fun together. We're also going to grow together. We're going to laugh together. We're going to grow together. Regularly encourage each other to get, to share dreams. Where are you at in your life? What is God speaking to you? Tell me what, tell me what you want to do when you get older. One of them said, both of them say, we're going to be missionaries. I'm like, no, you're not. Keep dreaming. (laughs) It's beautiful, but so sad all at the same time. Um, So we serve together. All right. In Matthew 25, 40, and the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did this to one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you're doing it for me. We get to serve the king together. Man, we've been in this church for 13 years, and my girls grew up in this church. They were tiny. They were little when we first got here. Briley has put holes in the wall because she used to run, and she would just, you know, catch herself on the wall and knee the wall. Um, Addie has colored on the walls. I don't know how many times. Even just the other day, I had to go grab a crown out of her hand. I'm just kidding. She's 14. I didn't have to do that. But... Man, this, this has just been our place. This has been our safe place. This has been our fun place. This has been a hard place for us. But man, we have grown within the walls of this church. And you know what? It's because we served together. Here's one of the things that I love. I love seeing families serve together. I love seeing moms and dads and kids welcoming together, holding signs. How awesome is that? I just think it's the most beautiful thing. The pictures, you know, that the photography team catches. And I'm just like, that is awesome. You know, who wouldn't want to come? Those cute little faces. Mom and dad are okay, but those cute little faces. We serve together. The families that go out and they do the, um, the homeless ministry together. So amazing. So beautiful. Serve together. Be intentional with your time. Be intentional also with your words. Be intentional with your words. Teach your family how to talk to each other. How do we speak to each other? What are words that we intentionally use? Home should be the safest place for our children. The safest place for mom and dad, the safest place for, for our uh, babies, for our parents. They should feel, this should be the place where they feel the most emotionally, spiritually, relationally. They should be so safe there. Sometimes it's not the case, though. Because we think, you know what? The family is the place that I am the safest, so the family is the one who gets my ugliest stuff. No, we've got to teach. We've got to te- if we want to get off the struggle bus... We've got to teach our family how to speak to each other. When my girls were little, um, I told them, I said, that they were, li- again, they fought. They're sisters. They're, 19, they're 16 months apart, and they, at times, did not like each other at all. Didn't like each other. And so I would, sp- I would tell them all the time. We were home because we were planting a church. Chad would be gone occasionally. Um, this was probably once we had the building. He would be up here. He would be working in the office. But we were home a lot. And I would speak to them. And I would be like, don't be ugly to each other. You're sisters. You love each other. But then I started realizing it's going to take a while. Like that when they didn't catch on and they kept fighting and they kept like stealing toys from each other. Or at, Bradley would go on. I even have it on video. Bradley knocked hats off of Addie's head when they were singing and dancing. And if Addie was, I mean, just fun, not so fun because they started getting mad at each other. Moments. And I began to just speak, and I, and I thought, I've got I to speak this over them forever. Your sisters, your best friends, 
your family, you will always have, always have each other. So, so love each other. Be best friends. And even today, one of the most wonderful things that I've ever seen and that I hear from them, say, they say it all the time, yeah, my sister is my best friend. Yes, we have other best friends. Yes, we have friends in our life. Yes, we have friends that surround us, but my sister is my best friend. I'm going to go to college with her. We're going to room it together. We're going to, we're going to go on the mission field together. <laughs> <sighs> together. Speak words. Be intentional with your words right now. It doesn't matter how old your kids are. Begin to be intentional with your words. Speak life and encouragement into them. What's the best way that you can do that? I was really intentional about the phone. When my girls got phones, I was really intentional, intentional about them knowing that's my phone. I can have that phone whenever I want it. If you're texting somebody and I want it, you better hand it over. I remember saying I, I, words, Chad and I, these are words. I'm speaking this. I want you to understand it. I want you to know it. That's mine. Tell your friends I'm watching this text thread. They better not text anything. They don't want me to know right? Intentional. Be intentional with your words. Be intentional with the words that you speak over your kids. Be intentional with your tone. In Philippians 2.2, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Loving each other. Philippians 2.3, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Your family, these scriptures, Our family is better than us. We love them. We want people to know that they are our best friends. These are two ways, two ways that can help us get off the struggle bus. Now, all of this doesn't mean that we will never ride the struggle bus again, right? It doesn't mean it, but this is what we constantly and continually do. We continually remember our order. We remember where to focus. We remember remember not to procrastinate. And when we speak, we're intentional. We speak intentional words. We spend intentional time with our family. Today, you may say, like, you know, I'm just in a place. I have no more hope. I'm struggling. My kids are fighting. I'm fighting with my kids. We're fighting over the kids. Hope feels like it's just done with. You have none left. But our reminder is that our hope is only in Jesus and that he carries the struggle already, that he is already with you and that he has already overcome it. You can get through it. You can fight through it. You can do everything that you can do, but he has already overcome it. So trust him. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, I just want to ask those that are in this room. Maybe you're at a place where you've never asked Jesus to be your full hope. You've never asked him to walk with you. You've never asked him to be your Lord. And this hope, as we talk about hope, you're like, what is that? I have no more hope. I don't know what else to do. The next thing that you do is you just ask Jesus into your heart. That's your next step. He fills a space. He brings hope where there is no more hope. 